nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. It's our pre-season show, and we've uh, hauled in a couple of, well, call them long time sounds a bit much because they're not that old, but uh, Andrew Van Leeuwen from motorsport.com and Heath McAlpine, fresh from the presses on Auto Action, their 50th anniversary week. Welcome, gentlemen, to you both. G'day. Thanks for having me. Absolutely wonderful. Obviously, Bathurst uh, is very different because it's February, not uh, not October, but it's still Bathurst. And uh, while we're not all going there, it, it's going to be a cracker of a, a weekend. Andrew, you obviously have been spending a lot of time looking at pre-season form. You wouldn't have been going because you're over in, in the West. You're looking at the form for coming into this weekend. And what are the things that come out from you from the test days we've had so far? Um, I think there's been one consistent theme between across the two test days the one at Queensland Raceway and the one at Winton and that was that we saw you know slightly unexpected names at the top but fairly easy to explain because if you look at the fact that both Zane Goddard who topped the Queensland test and Will Brown who topped the the Winton test they came into those tests with a day of running under their belt already they both completed rookie days you know before they they got to their respective official pre-season test so they had some running under their belt um, they obviously ran tyres early in the morning. Uh, conditions were hot on both days. The track was at its quickest in the morning. So, from a from, from a um, from a times perspective, from an outright performance perspective, as is so often the case with testing, there's not a, a heap to sort of read from it. But you look at you know there's, we saw some of the favourites just going for mileage. You know we saw Triple Eight log a lot of laps at Queensland Raceway. We saw Tickford log a lot of laps. Cam Waters log a lot of laps. Um, at Winton, you know, that's the sort of stuff you do when you're thinking about an entire season. It's less about sticking some tyres on it and going for a Hollywood time and it's more about uh, going out there and uh, and banking some mileage and making sure you're as well prepared as you as you possibly uh, can be. And obviously there's been a, a small tweak to the to the Commodore as well in terms of um, there's been some changes to the front aero, not, uh, not necessarily to offer any performance but to um, – but to, to help cooling in that car. So, you know, obviously the, the, it was important for some of those, for the Holden teams to, to bank some miles and make sure that's all working as they want it to. So they're the little things that I think have been interesting to see come out of out of testing. But, you know, as in terms of the, those, the guys that were going quick, you know, I think it's a little bit like, you know, in Formula One testing, we see it sometimes. You can go out there and if you really want to go out there and do a fast lap time, you can. Um, but there's more to it in terms of, you know, the form guide and who actually sits where going into the season. Now, this uh, um, little tweak that's been given to the ZB Commodores, um, an interesting one, um, it's uh, in the form of uh, better ducting uh, through the wheel wells on the uh, car. Um, I understand that uh, it was brought about by uh, the homologation team, which of course is Triple Eight, 
um, there's not a lot uh, of demand for it from what I'm hearing elsewhere. Did, have you heard much on this, Heath? Not really. I mean, I, I sort of, uh, yeah, it, 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 as AVL said, it was basically just for ducting and stuff. So um, I haven't heard um, from the traps uh, being consumed with the 50th issue of Auto Action. What's been going on in that regard? It should be. It'll be probably. It'll be pretty interesting to see what happens at Bathurst with it, whether you know how well it works and how well um, it affects the car. Andrew, you actually heard as to what brought about this uh, change to uh, increase the airflow uh, out of the engine bay. Well, Triple Eight are basically saying that it was a it was an issue throughout last year, even tracing back to like you know the problem Shane Van Gisbergen had on the Sunday at the Clipsville Five Hundred. Uh, sorry, at the Adelaide Five Hundred last year, which you know is something that feels like it was about ten decades ago, given what we've been through in the last uh, in the last year. It feels like a different world when we actually went to a racetrack and watch those guys race around. But, um, yeah, look, it, it seems like it's, a, it, it's, it's been a consistent problem throughout the year. You're certainly right in that it wasn't something all you would think. There would have been a lot uh, more complaining from teams throughout last season. Obviously, we, everyone was a bit preoccupied with all sorts of things, but there wasn't a lot of chat from other holding teams about this issue necessarily all of the time, but um, but it was certainly something Triple Eight was pretty vocal about. So it's always hard to tell when you know when there's no performance gain. Well, you know, like being able to cool the 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 the, uh, the engine bay is is a performance gain in itself, I suppose. But you know, if if there was an issue with keeping things cool, um, it definitely had to be uh, had to be rectified. So you can't imagine that. I mean, if you look at the fact that that Triple Eight Commodore won the Bathurst One Thousand. Um, pretty comprehensively, you can't imagine that it's some swing for a massive shift in the balance of the car or something like that because you would think, particularly with no Scott McLaughlin and no um, Penske aspect to DJR, that Triple Eight would be uh, feeling pretty confident heading back to Mount Panorama this week. Indeed, and particularly thinking that uh, as Van Gisbergen was the form at Bathurst last year, I mean, he didn't get pole, but uh, Cam Waters was pretty hot there as he'd been coming through all year. Um, but it's uh, pretty remarkable to think that uh, they're, they're going to have any problems this weekend. But I'm sure this issue is uh, not going to uh, end at Bathurst with uh, everybody adopting some uh, new ducting in their wheel wells. Look, let's just look at the other big aspect, which I'm sure, Heath, you would have been well across this year, the uh, enormous number of engineering changes, some of them induced by drivers, others induced by teams. But, you know, uh, nearly half the field has got a new driver engineering pairings, you know, including obviously at Triple Eight where uh, we had Grant McPherson has uh, joined Walkinshaws and then Couchy and uh, Wes McDougall has changed around Heath. You must have uh, looked a lot across this for this coming pre-Bathurst edition. Yeah, it was, um, it's it's quite unbelievable uh, the amount of the engineering changes probably uh, nearly outweighed the amount of driver changes there were um, at the, during this off season. It was quite incredible. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 unbelievable. Like you know, um, Grant McPherson joining and while well, bolstering the squad at. Um, Walkinshaw that's already got Carl Foe and um, and also um, Adam DeBore as well. It's um, quite a formidable lineup. And then also Team 18 um, having Richard Holway um, take over, well, not take over, but join the team as well. Very experienced. Um, and 
get generally gets success wherever he goes. Um, it's it's quite it's quite remarkable some of these you know some of the names that are actually been mentioned and moved along. Alistair McVean obviously joining Kelly's with um, David Reynolds as well. That's that's another big move. Um, you know I'll, I'll probably miss out on some here in AVL. I'll probably fill you in, but you know it's quite. It, it throws it, it throws the cat amongst the pigeons, I suppose, ahead of you know the twenty twenty one supercar season. Andrew, yeah, look, I think what's what's really fascinating about the engineering movements that we've seen in the off season is that everything it's an effective change in almost every in every case. You know, you look at okay, so Triple Eight's lost Grant McPherson, but it's taken on Wes McDougall. It's still got Jeremy Moore, and Mark Dutton, and some like that's huge engineering firepower. Um, we've got consistency at DJR, um, one of the few bits of consistency in that front. You know, we've got, um, as Heath said, we've got uh, Graham McPherson bolstering an already pretty impressive lineup at WAU. That team is sort of continuing its march towards the front of the field and making good on the promises they made in 2017. And, um, you know, Reynolds being able to take Al with him. Um, you know, we've got Mirka DeRosa coming into the Blanchard Racing Team. They're all moves that actually sort of move everything forward, and that's what's going to be fascinating. You know, Richard Holway going to Team 18. Team 18 had a great season last year. They were really starting to knock on the door of doing something special, and having someone like him in, a, in sort of an umbrella technical role is really going to help them uh, move forward as well. So I think that's what's exciting about it. They're just changes that they've sort of shuffled the they've shuffled the chess pieces around a little bit and created a bit of interest. It's not a case of you know, big teams just signing more engineers. It's engineers being spread around to other teams that, you know, these could be meaningful changes, if not this year, then in the next couple of years that that could see us, um, particularly when, when we're faced with a car change for next year, it could be a pretty fascinating, it could help bring more teams into the mix, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We could see more teams contending for race wins because of these engineering changes that are happening now. And that's, uh, that's pretty exciting. Yes, indeed. It's also interesting to think about heading back to Bathurst in that last time they were there, we were in the uh, realms of the 30-kilometre uh, sprints or 30-lap uh, sprints, um, and now we're going back uh, to 250k races. And obviously, they are sprints right from the from the start. It certainly makes it that, you know, the engineers will all be well and truly on their prime to be getting fast laps and doing fast race runs. So the, the qualifying and practice sessions are going to be really interesting to see the way in which uh, people roll their cars out. Heath, I, I imagine that you'd be watching that fairly closely. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting how each new partnership occurs. I mean, one thing that we didn't mention also is Jeff Slater joining um, Team Sydney as well, whether that, you know, that partnership's going to be, you know, um, more successful than they were last year um, with the addition of Coulthard as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see very early on the weekend. Um, you know, even though they've had a day of testing, testing's testing. It's not racing, so or it's not a race weekend. So, um, you know, uh, from all reports, um, Richard Holway's, you know, fitted in really well at Team 18. So, um, and as Andrew mentioned, that um, they're they're a team on the rise. So a walk sure as well. I don't think it'll, you know, set the tone for the season or anything like that, anything that drastic, but uh, it's going to help during that early stages of the season to, um, you know, see see whether, well, see whether the rest, you know, see whether the, the new relationships are, you know, um, really beneficial. I mean, uh, it, it's, you know, that's where sort of, you know, 
Um, Scott's been in the past. Scott McLaughlin's been really strong in the early part of the season, um, and he's managed to just sort of be. If he's not winning, he's been on the podium, and um, that's sort of where the gain's going to be. Um, and as Andrew mentioned again, that you know DJI have that stability um, and Triple Eight. It's going to be interesting how Wes fits into that side. He's very experienced, um, and obviously Jamie as well is very experienced. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see during practice and qualifying how those relationships, you know, set the tone. Indeed, and Andrew, um, it's going to be fascinating in practice one. Is that going to be the true form for the weekend? Because with every team having you know, gun engineering uh, people on board that everyone's going to be able to, you know, hit the road running and that is that first session going to be the indicator of what's going to come out of the weekend? Well, not necessarily because there are a lot of uh, new drivers in competitive cars as well. So you've got to, you know, imagine that, you know, Will, Will and Anton at DJR, they're still learning how that car works a little bit. They're going to probably use practice to settle into that car a little bit more, particularly somewhere like Bathurst. It's such a difficult place to go um, to um, try and go and just go quick straight away. Um, so I think we might see some guys taking a little easy in practice one, but to come back to, to, to a point you made just earlier, Tony, like the qualifying is going to be hugely important. It's going to be hugely important because it's hard to pass at Bathurst. It's really difficult. We saw that at the 1000, we saw Cam Waters parked up behind Shane Van Gisbergen for ages and he just couldn't find a way past. He was trying to pass one of the hardest blokes in the field to pass, mind you, but it's a difficult place. We saw Jamie Winkup make a huge mistake trying to pass someone at Bathurst. That's the sort of circuit it is. So qualifying is going to be important. So even if practice one isn't a, a massive indicator, um, the guys are going to have to get onto it by qualifying because that is really going to tell a lot of the story of, um, of what we're going to see across the weekend. The interesting thing is, you know, you talked about the fact this is a sprint race from the off. I mean, the Bathurst 1000 these days is basically a sprint race. I think the days of setting the thing up soft and making it easy to drive so you could triple stint it comfortably are long gone. You know, those guys are pretty much, again, think back to the last three stints at the 1000 this year. It was an all-out sprint race. And it's it's been like that for a couple of years now. So I think from a setup perspective, it's going to be the same as what we always see, set the thing up pretty aggressive and go for it. And then, yeah, qualifying is going to be important because um, track position counts for so, so much at Mount Panorama. Heath, the uh, issue that Andrew has brought up, in fact, about how Cam Waters followed for lap after lap, I, I can't remember how long it was, but it was almost you know a 30-something lap stint that uh, Cam was on Van Gisbergen, uh, not on his tail, but uh, you know within a second or so of him. And... Uh, is it going to be the continuing problem um, that uh, it'll be desperation brought on because of the professional nature, processional nature of the cars causing a problem there? I don't think it'll be desperational. It's only round one. So um, I think it's a matter of with, you know, new drivers, new new engineers, you know, new surroundings or so many new drivers, new engineers and, no, and new surroundings. It's just a matter, I think, getting off to a, I suppose, bolstering your start to the season, being, you know, getting points and then leaving Bathurst with a straight car. Um, I don't think there'll be any sort of desperation moves. Um, I think it, it could be, you know, I, I don't know if it'll be profession, uh, processional, um, but 
yeah, if, if anything like Bathurst last year is anything to go by, it could be. Um, I hope not. But, um, yeah, I don't think we'll have any disparado moves or anything like that. Um, those guys, are, you know, the drivers are smart enough or the front, you know, the front, front few guys are smart enough to figure it out. Um, it'll be more a strategy race. Um, I think uh, my cohort in the office, Dan, spoke to um, Cam Waters approaching this, um, you know, for the supercars preview and he said it was definitely if you don't qualify at the front it's going to be a strategy race for you to see who you can jump in in fuel and and tires and andrew obviously you know the number of race engineer moves is a portent of what's got to be done as a second job for this year quite apart from uh, climbing as high as you can in the order in uh, pit lane and the finishing order of the team's championship the other job of course is gen three now, uh, a couple of people have put their markers down, obviously, uh, and Triple uh, Eight as the homologation teams, respectively, for the Mustang and the Camaro. They've obviously got a job on, but every team will be looking to see how they're going to make a car that will work in the new Gen 3 uh, category. You you got any feelings on that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something like that's always going to provide a, a bit of a... Um, a bit of a distraction, I guess, you know, across the board. Every team's got to sit down and work out the, how they're going to bring, you know, two, three, however many cars, four, perhaps in Tickford's case, if they can get back to four new cars online for the new season, you know, how they're going to pay for that. We're still not 100%, 100% clear on, on you know, whether supercars is going to help bridge that gap, building new cars, even if they are cheaper, even if they do live up to the, to the expectations on their price, it's still expensive. You've got to get rid of one set of gear and bring bring a whole new set of gear online. So it'll provide a distraction. Probably, you know, the team most vulnerable to being distracted by it is Triple Eight um, because they sort of will be going, uh, the you know, developing that Camaro uh, on their own as the as the, the 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 homologation team for that particular car. DJR has the added advantage of Ford Performance still being involved. As far as we can tell at the moment, Ford Performance is going to continue being involved. It's going to be a collaborative um, process with the Mustang, like it was with the current generation uh, Mustang. Hopefully, this one looks, you know, about a billion times better. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're, that's a that's a big help, and that could become a help if things get tight in the title fight as well. You know, if it gets to later in the season. If DJR have a little bit of brain power freed up because they have Ford Performance doing legwork on the Mustang, that may help. I'm not sure it's going to get to that because I think Triple Eight are going to be too strong this season. But if it did, that might be something to watch. And Triple Eight is probably the most vulnerable to, to a bit of distraction because they have a huge job ahead of them. And like they did with the ZB, they take that job on themselves. That's that's the way they 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 approach it. It certainly makes a fascinating teams uh, com- competition this year. Um, Heath, that, uh, you know, so much work being put on the shoulders of Triple Eight. Um, and they obviously want to send out Jamie Wincup in the best way possible from, you know, the end of his uh, uh, driving career. Um, that one itself was a fascinating off-season development. The fact that Jamie put up his hand. I mean, there are an awful lot of people who are quite uh, struck that uh, he'd done that. Um, and obviously the, the, the change that comes with it with uh, Tony Quinn um, buying in and uh, Roland stepping back, um, you know, they're going to be very busy. Heath, for your feelings on what uh, they've got on their plate? Um, I don't think 
Triple Eight or Awari. I mean, they're you know they're a professional outfit. I mean, they've not only got Gen Three, you know, they've also got a GT program as well now. So, um, you know, they've opened up new a new shed as well, like new you know um, an expansion of their facilities. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think they're they're a worry at all. I think um, they're as dangerous as ever, um, if not more now. Um, yeah, Jamie's um, Jamie's just going to step in and you know jump behind the car, jump behind the wheel, and do what he normally does. You know, um, and go and and um, you know Shane's Shane's probably goes in um, to the um, title as favourite to you know after his you know back half of the season last year. So yeah, I, there's no concerns from on a, on a triple eight front. Um, you know, Rollins, even though. You know, he's declared he's stepped away. He hasn't really. Um, you know, Jamie's going to learn how to run the business this year, but, you know, he's always going to have Roland in his corner. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I don't see, you know, any weakness with Triple Eight at all. Um, you know, I think they've learned from their mistakes last year. You know, they had a few component failures and all that sort of thing, a um, few, you know, strategy mistakes and stuff, but I think they've learned from that. There was also a high-pressure environment last year with being away from the workshop for so long, um, not for the – well, not particularly for those guys, I suppose, being Queensland-based, but, um, you know, there was there it was still high pressure, and you know um, by the end of it, they they took away the Bathurst one thousand. So yeah, I, I, there's yeah no, I don't I think they if I think you um, downplay their um, you know downplay their season at your peril. One of the other things that this weekend brings in is a, is the new TV deal. Obviously, uh, you've been watching from afar the development. It might be called Seven West Media, but James Warburton is well and truly ensconced uh, in the Seven Network in Sydney. There have been a lot of developments there, and, and there's obviously been a lot of changes. Uh, the fans reacted mightily when uh, Larco and Rihanna and various other people were sacked. The fans are uh, obviously going to be uh, on edge as to... Uh, how this is going to look and sound, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's a real a real positive thing that the fans' voices were heard with the whole Larco saga. That you know that that it did it did make a difference. Um, so I think that's um, that's one thing. That's a really positive thing to see. Um, a that we have such a passionate fan base because they're the people that keep me and Heath and everyone involved in the sport in a job, really, you know, they're, they're our customers. It's an overused, over-corporatized term that I don't really like because they're fans, but they are the customers and they are what keep us all keep us all working. So that's that's one really positive thing. You know, there, there's definitely some interesting changes in the TV um, lineup, you know. It'll be interesting to see where Larco actually fits in. I think we're going to see a lot more of him on a sort of a digital role. There didn't seem to be a lot of talk about him doing much pit stuff um in um when they sort of rolled out all the all the lineup so i think we could see a lot it's going to be very technically driven and it could be there could be a fair bit of it that's actually away from the tv screen and more across digital properties as well you know i think it's a really good move to to sort of move uh craig lowndes um back into doing test drives and you know being the ambassador for the sport that he is the great ambassador that he is uh, rather than sort of putting him into a pit reporter role or even a really hardcore analyst role where he's not overly comfortable. And he said as much that it's not, that didn't work for him. So that's a really positive move. You know, we've still got the voices of the sport. 
bringing Garth Tander in, that's an absolute stroke of genius. Garth is fantastic. I know there'll be a bit of angst about, you know, Scafers, the ties to Holden and Triple Eight and more ties to Holden and Triple Eight and this and that. But Garth is great TV talent. And I've long hoped that he would be the next guy to come through and move into the comms box. And, and I'm really, really excited to see that playing out like that because he's great TV talent and he's he's got a really analytical motor racing brain. And, and I think that's a super positive move. So that's something to be really excited about. Yes, we've lost some good people, Rihanna, um, Andrew Jones, you know, guys, you know, people that did a really, really good job. But um, I think for the whole, you know, it's a good mix of a little bit of new, uh, some sort of shuffling of the of the of the board game pieces to to maybe move people into slightly better positions, and then that master stroke to bring Garth mm-hmm. on, and, and that gives us a bit of insight into into where we could see the TV commentary go in the future, and that's really good. And we've got new graphics that'll be exciting. Uh, that'll be exciting as well. We've got new graphics to look at, so it's sort of a different look and feel. Supercast trying to own its branding as opposed to just slotting in with with Foxtel or seven or whoever's actually um, sort of uh, showing the coverage. So, yeah, look, there's some there's some exciting uh, stuff going on. Just very quickly, uh, I noticed that uh, mention of Charlie Robinson seems to have uh, taken a back seat for a while. But anyway, we'll leave that one alone. She is in the thing. She is in the coverage. She will be playing a role in the coverage. Yeah, I know. But uh, she hasn't sort of been, uh, well, you know, having any great publicity about her in recent times. More about Jessica Yates and her baby and, well, various other aspects of it. But he's, um, I'm sure you'd be absolutely delighted that ACDC has been chosen. Um, do you think they are the right uh, note for the uh, series? Well, I grew up watching Channel 10 uh, Super, V8 Supercars during the early, late 90s, early 2000s, and that's all they played rock music. So I think ACDC is probably the perfect band for the uh, the fans of Supercars. Um you know, it it's um, it fits well. Um, also, you know, they've got worldwide appeal, similar to what I suppose Pink did ten years ago. But um, yeah, per, I think it's it's a perfect fit. As uh, you're both well aware, in recent times there hasn't been much of an international push. We obviously know that uh, um, supercars goes around the world. I haven't heard Sean Seymour at all in recent uh, memory mention anything about sales to the US or Europe. Do either of you, Andrew or, or Heath? Andrew first? I think there's a there's a deal in place. Um, you know, there's a Sky Sports deal in New Zealand. Um, I think this YouTube deal is basically acting as a quasi-international rights um, deal now in terms of, you know, that uh, there's a there's a pay-per-view system where people outside of Australia and New Zealand can watch the races on YouTube and they've opened up quite an extensive uh, historical archive um, on YouTube as well. So I think that's the kind of push um, overseas and that's the way things are going in terms of, you know, overseas coverage, affordable pay-per-view subscriptions where people can, you know, for not too much money continue to follow along and and, and watch the races live online. That's pretty much where the model's going. So um, I think that's, that's about as clever a push as, as you could make because you're just not going to get the big money for, for international rights. So it's, it's a pretty smart way to own your own destiny to some extent um, and still get some revenue off uh, people from other countries wanting to tune in. Indeed, Heath. I imagine that you've probably let your man Fogarty uh, loose on the subject um, of broadcast. Has uh, he had any recent comments to you or written anything of note on the subject? I think he's pretty... 
he's been pretty complimentary of it, to be honest. Like, I, I can't speak for folks. I haven't really spoken to him of late. You know, he, he was very hard on um, the over the off-season that um, it was being dumbed down. That's what he believed was the case. Um, I think it was denied by supercars, but it, with Larco going, it sort of it seemed like it was going it was going that way, and then after the uproar with, um, you know, and getting Larco reinstated, um, it's it sort of you know, and also the uh, addition of Charlie Robinson as well, um, you know, it's, um, it, it seems like it, it's now you know, and Garth coming on board as well. I share Andrew's sentiments that Garth's a really good commentator. Um, he might play that, you know. Probably, probably to a lesser extent, but you know a Russell Ingle sort of type of role. I don't think he, um, I don't think he will hold his opinions back at all. Um, you know, it, it will be, a, it's a good mix, and I think um, you know, and and Fogs has said that as well. Um, bringing in, um, he's a, he, Garth's, he's very fa- favourable, I suppose. He has a hold, a holds a favourable opinion of um, Tanda at Garth. So, yeah, it, it. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, personally, I think it's 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 a it's been you know really good. Um, you know, especially after the reinstatement of Larco, I think you know um, he you know he had so much to the coverage and um, he explains things so eloquently and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, he he, he does a, an excellent job, and um, to have him back is good. Um, to have Garth come in is good. Um, you know, and I think. We need that extra colour to, you know, with, you know, Charlie coming in. I think that um, you need that extra colour to, I suppose, appeal to, a, you know, a, a broader audience. Um, so, yeah, and I can't speak for folks, but I think it's been a, it's been a relatively good move. We should actually just mention uh, this is a very significant week because uh, 50 years ago, auto action hit the track for the first time. It was... Uh, uh, the uh, Tasman round, the final round of Tasman, actually it was the second last round, I think, of the Tasman series in 1971. And Frank Gardner, my man, won at, San- at uh, Warwick Farm. And uh, that weekend was the uh, first report in for auto action. He said must have been amazing uh, to have been there in these last couple of years to see in which the magazine has reached this amazing uh, Era because there's not much in the way of motorsport magazines left, as you well know. Yeah, I think we're one of the yeah one of the few left. I mean, in Australia, I think there's only what two or three um, off the top of my head. But yeah, it, it's it's a remarkable thing. I've I've done a lot of research and a lot of um, look through every decade um, from the, obviously the 70s onwards um, for this magazine. Uh, I mean, look, it's it's a um, we're it's an I'll give you a little bit of a rundown of what's actually in there, but you know, it's a 92-page magazine, um, which is yeah, it was a remarkable effort to get it up to that point. Um, you know, interviewed with all the most of the previous editors. Um, you know, I think uh, you know a couple have passed on, such as you know um, James Lang Peach. I think may have passed on. Don't quote me on that, but um, Paul Harrington has definitely passed away, but. Um, we've got some words from him in the that we got from the tenth anniversary issue. Um, you know, I think it, it's remarkable to think just doing this research is how many 
names and how many journalists have actually emerged from auto action. I mean, there's, it, it's it's phenomenal. You know, I mean, Fogues has been there since the very start, pretty much. I think we dug out his his very first article, which was in 1972, and it was on a feature on Graham McRae, who had just sealed. I think he had just sealed the Tasman series at uh, at Sandown Raceway. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's been a phenomenal a phenomenal look for history. Um, there's you know. Um, we've also actually reprinted the very first edition of the magazine in the centre, so it's a pull-out sort of deal. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's a it, it's been a phenomenal a phenomenal effort by um, Bruce, particularly Bruce Williams, the publisher, to get this together. Um, and yeah, it, it can't really yeah can't really speak. I can't wait to get my hands on it tomorrow, to be honest. When we, uh, when hopefully it gets delivered to us. But yeah, um, it's yeah, and it's just it's remarkable the amount of history that's in in those in in these um, you know that it's covered over its time. And of course, um, Andrew Van Leeuwen has a history not quite back to that era, but you were very much a competitor, Andrew, uh, in your starting point at, at reporting on motorsport in Australia. Tell us about your times at Motoring News. Yeah, I mean, I never, uh, I never worked for Auto Action, um, but Auto Action played a big role in my development as a journalist, anyway, because they were. It was a bitter rivalry, absolutely no question about it between Motorsport News and Auto Action, but. We learned so much because we had to. We learned so much because we were in competition, in this bitter competition week in, week out. So I have great memories of that era. It really was, you know, I started in 2006 and that first few years, you know, they, they were just, yeah, it was great. And congrats for to Auto Action and Fogues and Bruce and, and Heath and everyone there, Dan, you know, that it is still going. It's amazing it's still going. It's, it's fantastic to still see that there is a motorsport magazine out there covering Australian motorsport, that there's still a place for it, that, you know, we still have somewhere for young journalists, you know, like Heath, um, to go and work and learn because you do learn so much in those sorts of environments and working with like, like Fogues. So, yeah, but those those early days, they were just, uh, they were just fun. We were... I was actually talking with folks about this uh, very, very recently. You know, Grant Rowley and I used to, yeah, if we were flying somewhere for a race meeting, we'd hide, we'd stick copies of the age over the top of the copies of auto action at the airport news agency. And we'd do the same at the news agency in, uh, in Brighton and everywhere else we went that we saw a copy of auto action. We'd always cover it up with something. And that's how, that's how petty, I suppose, the, uh, the, the kind <laughs> of the, the, the battle, the battle was, it was all part of the fun. And, uh, and, you know, but, the reality is that uh, that it's Australian motorsport, and um, and yeah, just a huge congratulations on on 50 years. It's a, it's an amazing achievement. Well, in fact, uh, Andrew, we should also acknowledge an achievement: the uh, publication website that you're involved in, that's motorsport.com, because you've reached the very heady titles of 26 years of covering it. Not you personally, but the publication and website. Motorsport.com has been covering motorsport worldwide for 26 years, which is a fantastic endeavour in itself. It is. It's certainly changed in the recent uh, in the recent past. You know, I started there in 2015, um, and where there was a a real push to try and turn it into a into a worldwide, you know, a proper destination for motor racing content. Um, we started as a fairly small team, and it's since grown, and the motorsport network has grown, and we have. You know, we have a we have an OTT TV platform now. 
Uh, we purchased Autosport and the Autosport Show and Autosport Magazine and all that sort of stuff a few years ago and sort of incorporated all of that. So it's it's really become a huge – it's been around for a long time, but certainly the last five or six years, it, you know, that's where the growth has, has really been. And it's been a it's been a fascinating journey to be on. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And I still love the fact that I get to work for a brand like motorsport.com and I get to work, write feature articles for Autosport. You know, that's something that we all – Every motorsport journo dreams is doing as a kid, and I get to uh, and I get to do it, and to get to report on supercars at the level I do for these global brands—that's what I really love doing. Because I'm covering the sport that I, you know, the category that I love, um, but getting to do it on a scale that's—I um, still pinch myself sometimes when I see my byline there, which after having been doing this for 16, 17 years, whatever I've been doing it now, it's nice to still get that little kick out of it. Thank you very much to Andrew Van Leeuwen of Motorsport.com and. Keith McAlpine of Auto Action. It's been wonderful for you to join us, uh, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock, on this week uh, prior to the inaugural Bathurst Sprint Race of uh, 2021. It's been terrific to have you on board, and uh, I know that three of us will not be getting to the mountain. Craig Ravel, uh, while he's at the controls uh, today, he'll be on the track this weekend at Bathurst, and I'm sure that all three of us would be wishing we were there as well but enjoy it on television I'm sure we'll all uh, come away with our ideas and thoughts and someday down the road a bit we'll uh, catch up and compare notes. Sounds good to me, thanks guys. Thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device search Inside Supercars The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.